Hi, this is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy. www.cheapastro.com And this is The Celestial Sphere. When you live on the surface of a big round planet that's spinning round and around on its axis, you experience an optical illusion that can make you think you are standing still and it's the sky that is actually spinning overhead. For example... Why does the sun come up? Hmm? Or are the stars just pinholes in the curtain of night? Of course, there's always two points in the night sky that don't spin, namely the northern and southern celestial poles, one being near Polaris, and the other one being pointed at by the Southern Cross. If you walk to the northern terrestrial pole, Polaris would be directly overhead, which we call 90 degrees altitude. But otherwise, in lower latitudes, Polaris will be lower in the sky. Indeed, in the northern hemisphere, its altitude will match your latitude. So that at Montreal in Canada, which is at latitude 45 degrees north, Polaris will be due north at 45 degrees altitude in the sky all night and every night while the rest of the sky appears to spin around it. Walk to the equator and Polaris will still be due north, but down on the horizon, which is zero degrees altitude. All this talk of altitude leads me to tell you about one type of telescope mount, an alt-azimuth mount, utilised in some of the world's cheapest telescopes, Dobsonians, as well as some of the world's most expensive radio telescopes, like the 100-metre Greenbank Telescope in West Virginia, Mountain Mama, Take Me Home. If you have an alt-azimuth mount and you want to look at Polaris, and say you happen to live in Montreal, Canada, you just swivel the rotating 360-degree azimuth base of your telescope mount around to due north, and then you raise your telescope to point at 45 degrees altitude, and voila, Polaris will be smack in the middle of your field of view. Trouble is, though, this only works in Montreal, Canada, or anywhere else at the latitude 45 degrees north. Wouldn't it be great if there was some kind of universal coordinate system where you could just ring up a fellow astronomer anywhere on the surface of the Earth and just give them a couple of numbers so that they could quickly find the same thing that you are looking at? Well, this is where it becomes extremely useful for astronomical and navigational and even timekeeping purposes to just embrace our shared global optical illusion and pretend that the night sky really is a big celestial sphere that rotates about the Earth. So, as well as having poles, the great spinning celestial sphere has an equator, which is a line in the sky running east-west, and this celestial equator will be directly overhead when you are standing at the Earth's terrestrial equator. If you're further south than the terrestrial equator, the celestial equator is always in the northern sky, and if you're further north, it's always in the southern sky. Because of the Earth's axial tilt to the plane of the solar system, there's only two times in the Earth's orbit, that is, two times a year, 
when the path of the sun in the sky, called the ecliptic, crosses the celestial equator. These two times are of course the equinoxes, which have great significance for agriculture and calendars, but for astronomy the importance of equinoxes are that they are two unambiguous reference points on the celestial sphere that are both predictable in time and visible to anyone on the surface of the Earth. Back in Babylonian times, someone decided we should call the point where the apparent path of the sun, the ecliptic, crosses the celestial equator in March, the zero point. And from this zero point, we start counting eastwards along the celestial equator, but rather than counting by degrees, we count by hours. And, big surprise, the celestial equator is divided into units of 24 hours. So, now you can ring up anyone on Earth and tell them to look at one hour along the celestial equator to see the Pisces constellation, or look at five hours to see Orion, and even 23 hours to see Aquarius. Interestingly, the zero point, currently sitting between Pisces and Aquarius, is traditionally called the first point of Aries, because that's where it used to be, in Aries. But because of the 26,000 year cyclic wobble of the Earth's axis, you get a precession of the equinoxes. So this zero point, the point where the Sun crosses the celestial equator during the March equinox, is now slowly shifting towards Aquarius. Though it won't get there until the year 2600, so that bunch of hippies who thought it was the dawning of the age of Aquarius were perhaps a tad premature. Astronomers, being the serious folk that they are, substituted the traditional navigation term of our angle for a more obscure and scientific-sounding term, right ascension. But it's still the same measure of different points along the celestial equator, which is still divided into 24 hours, although if trying to identify a specific star location, we often get down to units of minutes and seconds, and often with a decimal point added to the seconds. So, right ascension is your measure of celestial longitude, but what about latitude? This is where that other term, declination, comes in. And here we do go back to degrees, where the celestial equator is zero degrees, and then we count up to the northern celestial pole, which is 90 degrees, and we count down to the southern celestial pole, which is minus 90 degrees. So, if you ever want to tell someone where the red supergiant Antares is, just type into the go-to computer, right ascension, 16 hours, 29 minutes and 24 seconds, and declination, minus, because it's to the south of the celestial equator, 26 and a bit degrees. That bit, depending on how the system divides up degrees. But of course, that's only going to work for a while. Remember that business about the precession of the equinoxes? Because of that, we have to redefine the zero point every now and again. And on top of this, 
pretty much everything in the universe is moving. The solar system is slowly making its way around its quarter of a billion years orbit of the galactic centre, and other stars are also moving along various gravitationally defined paths. So, not only do we have to recalibrate the right ascension declination grid every now and again because of Earth's 26,000 year cyclic wobble, but also, at least for stars with a fast proper motion, like say Barnard's star, we have to keep correcting their position on the grid. Right now, astronomers follow a coordinate system based on how everything was on the 1st of January in the year 2000, also known as the J2000 Epoch. So, in the case of Barnard's star, you could sound really knowledgeable by saying, oh, I think it's just up and a bit to the right of its J2000 location. At least, you can say that until the celestial sphere coordinates are updated again. If previous update schedules are adhered to, we can expect a new astronomical epoch with updated equinoxes and updated star positions to be established in 2050. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Nellick from Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. Cheap Astronomy offers an educational website where you can just point your telescope at something and have a look. No ads, no profit, just good science. Bye.